0: From the heart of Rune Terror, this is League of Legends Radio with your host, Ponderous Sea Lion.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, just kidding, there are no grills on the internet, to another episode of League of Legends Radio. I'm your host, Ponderous Sea Lion. And we got a great episode for you. We've got an interview with Narzis. Cool dude. Does YouTube videos. Pretty self-explanatory. He does um, some of the more controversial content you'll see on YouTube for sure. Concerning the League community. So I would definitely check it out. Um, It's a lot different than what you'll see from most League YouTubers. And I'll leave it at that. I personally enjoy it. So I hope you guys will as well. we got a great interview with him. And I'll also be talking about Volibear some. You know, he's a bear how to play him, how to be a bear, how to become one with the bear. There's a bear pun in here, but uh, I can't think of it. But, you know, roar. <laughs> As always, you can follow me on Twitter at L-O-Legends Radio. Please follow me, I'm so lonely. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey guys, this week we're here with YouTuber Narzis. Narzis, thanks for being on the show. Hello there. So, talk to us a little bit about your content, what you do, and what the goal of the content you create is.
0: Uh, I'm essentially a YouTuber that makes content criticizing other YouTube, YouTube, other League of Legends, gaming industry, and other related subjects. Uh, I've made a video last week about Twitch, and Twitch streamers, and the whole treat stream and Amazon wishlist thing that's going on.
1: Right. So, why did you want to start creating videos like these? What uh, inspired you to start doing the whole sarcastic criticism shtick?
0: So, essentially, I saw on the, the, the leaks subreddit there was like a post every week uh, back in December about Esco servers, and every single week there would be one of these posts that would get the front page, and there was nothing getting done about it. Like uh, riot would never give these uh they, they would never give, uh, give concise answers on what their plan was and any deadlines or anything so i just made this i made this reddit post at first i got the front page and then i decided to make a video because i didn't get i wasn't getting any replies and this video instantly got huge like got i think a uh, hundred thousand views just from being in the front page of subreddit and it started a complete reddit shitstorm where people would constantly spam posts about the east coast servers and eventually riot actually gave a reply when he came back on vacation so we actually got a deadline. Uh they said they were gonna do these um what is it, these arrangement these arrangements with ISPs and that they were building their kind of their own kind of network for the uh, League of Legends packets.
1: Right. And I remember you did mention in one of your videos it was like uh Wizard of the Lake or someone and you were actually pretty happy with the progress they'd made, not on East Coast servers, but at least on decreasing ping for the East Coast players, correct?
0: yeah yeah they've done they've, they've done multiple arrangements with uh, many ISPs so that the the packets would be routed properly, but as for the servers themselves, you know I'm not satisfied yet as in you know they didn't meet their deadline, which was kind of obvious honestly of what they were doing, but I'm just wondering like what's their next you know milestone like when they're actually moving the servers that's what I'm wondering about because the, for a lot of people the ping is still kind of bad to the east Coast like there are a lot of combos you can do at 70, 80 ping like it's just not possible
1: your content a lot of the time is just kind of cutting through the BS and holding people accountable for their actions. Like I know you archive a lot of things on Twitter and do stuff like that. Is that the main goal of your content is just to keep these content creators right themselves, just all these people sort of in check and make sure that they deliver on what they say and don't do anything stupid?
0: Yeah, pretty much I would say. Uh, The whole thing with like YouTube and YouTube content creators is that I've noticed that a bunch, there was this click of people that would uh, try to kind of um, have this little click where they would decide whose content was actually, you know, uh, worthy of exposure which created a bunch of issues because they weren't the, they're not the only group doing it there's multiple other groups doing it and what happens is that all these smaller content creators have a lot of trouble even if they put a lot of hard work in their content it's really difficult for them to get noticed and that was the whole
1: you know reddit thing then you got to the front page again correct and then that just turned into a whole thing so due to the nature of the content you create do you get a lot of hate do you get a lot of people you know harassing you etc cetera, etc cetera?
0: I've never really cared too much about the harassment. Of course like I get some people that would leave like mean comments in like the the comment section. I find I find them kind of cute and funny, but like yeah, I do get those. But I usually tend to like I've I've asked my channel uh, a week ago or so what they wanted out of the channel and I think the like, the general opinion was unanimous. They, they want me to keep making the content I'm already making and probably maybe branch out to something else later, but they still want the same content. But then I'll post, and I'll still get these same comments telling me. Oh, you should do, you know, more calm content. And these people went there when I posted that original video where I asked people that were subscribed, you know, what do you want out of this channel, right? So, yeah, I do get those.
1: So you have to deal with a lot of, you know, fickle fan base, kind of like everyone else does.
0: Well, no. Of my fan, my fan, base. I have the subscribers. I have. I don't think are necessarily that fickle. Is the people that come in the channel and I've never been there before to watch my video. They think I'm incredibly aggravating, which I guess is kind of the point. Like, um, part of the point is like when people come up to talk to me, I'm not like uh, you know. I'm, I'm. I don't talk to them with this uh, extremely sarcastic tone all the time, uh, and you know, I try to be civil. But for my videos, I kind of want to provoke a reaction in a way. So that's probably why. I think I decided to go with that sarcasm.
1: Right. So you're just, you're like a lot of people, like I've heard, you know, Doublelift is really nice in real life and, you know, all that stuff. So you're just trying to be a sort of an entertainer and a personality. And if that means, you know, poking Reddit or poking the bear, whatever you want to call it, then that's what you're going to do.
0: Well, yeah, pretty much. Like I will make a lot of these really weird assumptions in videos. Like um then the what the faz video, I believe I made a comment, like, you know, oh, what the faz did this thing, you know, what could go wrong? You know, I don't that and then I mentioned a bunch of examples and I'm like, oh that never happened and you know, that's that's <laughs> entirely false, right? That's extremely misleading, that's kind of the point. It's to elicit some sort of reaction.
1: And I mean your videos are very criticism based, I think it's safe to say, and Do you think that your videos get any sort of, I guess, uh, reaction? Not not really a reaction, but do they get anything done? Like, is sarcasm a good way to deal with these kinds of problems that surface?
0: I feel that it is, because at some point you do need some kind of humor. I want to poke fun at a lot of these things. Of course, the people that are involved are, are never happy about it, because they feel that I'm attacking them. When sometimes I'm just making a comment, and the comment is just there, like, it's just... I think large size sarcasm like I'll imply that somebody is being greedy for example and you know it's not necessarily true and it's not necessarily false I don't really prove it but I I make the you know the assumption that I I kind of put the person in the light where it looks like they're, they're greedy so yeah it does get things done in the matter that, you know, for example, the East Coast servers, you know, Riot replied with the what the fast thing, what the fast actually contacted me about it. And a lot of these content creators got really mad at me, which is kind of like the whole follow up with like the league YouTubers kind of thing. And then again, that got things done as well. Like, a, I'm sure a bunch of people get banned from it, or even shadow banned for brigading content, because it's been proven without the shadow of a doubt that some of these people actually do run uh, brigade groups.
1: Right. And have you had to deal with a lot of people... Due to the nature of your content, slandering you or talking about you behind your back. Have you had to deal with a lot of that?
0: Yeah, of course. And I just ignore most of it. Like, there is no point. If you give these people attention, you give them what they want. So you just don't address it at all. You don't even talk about it. You just ignore them. And if you know who it is, you just wait until a good moment to kind of, um, you know, uh, these people are bound to do something wrong eventually. And you just uh, kind of go and pinch them in the face because that's what they deserve, I think. (laughs) Right, and so do you have to deal with,
1: I mean, obviously you have to deal with a lot of it, but do you think that's the reason that no one is really in the league community at least doing content that's very similar to yours, is because of all the negative backlash you get?
0: Uh, Probably, and probably because over the years I feel like, um, uh, I I don't like Jubei a lot. Though you made a video recently about uh, criticism, and I think that Doug, the... the, the, like, the opinion that he has is something that I agree with a lot. He's very right on that. The League community has grown itself in a way where it cannot take criticism. Like, a lot of the content creators are stuck in this hug box where nobody can say anything negative about them ever. They've essentially shielded themselves from all kind of criticism because the way that you get criticism in this community, like, let's say you post a video on Reddit and you're going to have somebody that's going to make fun of your face or something in the comments. And some people will actually have that. So it's kind of like at some point you just ignore everything. So that's pretty much, I think, what is going on there. And, of course, when I make a video on somebody and they get this huge amount of backlash, I get this sudden amount of, like, a lot of people hating them. Like, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the whole point of that video is that because of the nature of how you get criticism on the internet, like you were saying, you get all the stupid criticism, all the stuff that doesn't actually have to do with your content, lumped in with all the stuff that's actually trying to be constructive, like... I think yeah, you and because you you take videos.
0: so much attention to this very negative, uh, the, these very negative comments you just don't read any of it anymore.
1: Right because you know it feels like after you see 3 of those comments in a row saying you're stupid, you're fat, you're ugly, kill yourself and then it gets lumped in with the I think you should structure your videos in this way. You can't really differentiate between them as well because they're all in the but same at the same time section.
0: At the same time, some of this criticism where people tell you, oh, you should do this or you should do that in particular, not very clever in the sense that the person will tell you what they would like to see personally, even though, for instance, my channel has um, now uh, 18,000 subscribers. But you're going to have this one person on Reddit that's going to say, oh, well, I would like it if you did the, this content that was very calm so that it doesn't bother me or, some, or something of that nature. I've had that before. Or someone would just come in and make a criticism about something in the video, even though like, I had intent for that thing to be there, right? And it's not something that you can, in terms of, like, criticism, yeah, it's something you can criticize, but at the same time, it's not something that I'm going to change if there was an intent to it that I'm very, you know, convinced that the intent behind it was, you know, good.
1: Right, yeah, especially when people are, you know, viewing your content for the first time or whatever, and they don't know what to expect, and they go to your channel, and it, they just see you angrily ranting about, you know, whatever it is this time. Like, like that, with yeah. Twitch
0: streamers? Like a lot of people didn't know what to expect when they went in that video. Like uh, the title is "How to Become a Famous Twitch Quote Streamer Unquote." That that title is very clickbaity in the sense that like I'm asking a question, but I'm not really answering it in the video. It, it's sarcastic in nature. They go in there and they see me complaining about Twitch stream and Amazon wish lists and all these other things, right? And that has nothing to do with the title, except for the fact that streamer is on uh, is in quotes.
1: Yeah. And how do you feel about just as a quick? Um... Tangent. How do you feel about you know those clickbait titles and stuff like that?
0: Well, I feel that in the last year, it's been proven beyond the shadow of the doubt that the game gaming in general does not care about actual journalism. In fact, uh, with the whole GamerGate shabang, you have like, yet a lot of people done, right laughing at the idea that there could be ethics in gaming journalism. Like it's become a tag joke for the whole GamerGate thing. Like when somebody brings that up, you're going to have somebody literally posting, "Ha ha, gamer fucking ethics and gaming journalism is a joke." And, like, if you look at the revenue that people get, let's say the, um, who was it, Um, Archon, I think, who's the, um, he's not the CEO, but he's, like, vice president or whatever, um, co-founder of The Escapist, saying that they get $2.5 out of a 1,000 impressions. So that means that out of... 10,000, they get 25 bucks, which isn't, which it's not enough to pay even the web designer. Like you don't pay your editor. Don't pay anyone. So of course all these publications are going to go for these clickbaity titles because that's what sells. Like that's, that's what people, people will tell you they want something, but then they won't really pay you for it. And yeah, that's pretty much my stance on on clickbaity titles. They, they, they they're there because there's a reason for them to being there.
1: Right. You need people to click your content because that's how you're making money.
0: I don't. I don't make much out of my channel, but of course you're not. Any, every, anybody wants to people to view their content. I get people telling me, "Oh, Narzis is just viewer whoring and just writing the drama wave and just getting his fifteen minutes of fame." You know, even though the fifteen minutes of fame probably happened like four times by now. I think. <laughs> like, where I get a video with tons of views, and it's like it creates this huge amount of backlash towards a certain organization or certain somebody, and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you you get you get this clickbait, right? So, yeah.
1: I remember on stream one time you were showing the um, amount of revenue you've made off your videos or whatever. What's the ratio for... It's, it's, it's yeah.
0: ridiculous. I get. I think I get 50 cents per thousand views. The CPM is absolutely abysmal. And I think part of the reason for that... Many content creators will tell you that it's because of ad block. I don't think that's the case because the way YouTube works... They will serve a certain ratio of your of your users depending on the demographics they want to reach. They will serve them advertising, and if somebody ad blocks that advertising, it goes to the next person. So let's say that 20% of your viewers get you know advertisements, and 80% of your users use ad block. Then you still get that full revenue, right? Unless the amount of people that use ad block encroach on the amount of people that see the advertisements, it's not going to affect you. But of course, in the long run, advertisers are going to say, "I'm going to put." you know, less of a value on ads, are going to pay YouTube less, they're, bar- they're, they're going to barter lower prices, and then you got all the gaming networks, like Curse and uh, Polaris that are going to just take all of the ads, you're essentially going to take the, the ads for gaming, the ads that actually pay, and serve them to the, the people in their channel. So essentially you get, you, get, you get the peanuts, that's what you get, you get the crumbs at the very end because you're not partnered with anyone.
1: So do you find it, I mean, difficult to find it worthwhile to uh, be doing the videos, or do you just I mean, you're obviously not in it for the money. Do you just do the videos because you like them?
0: I did a video because I like them. Like, I think that it's very, at this point in the time, it's very naive for somebody to go into YouTube and expect money. Like, that's just not going to happen for a very long time. Uh, so you get, you get all these YouTubers with, like, let's say, um, 40,000, 50,000 subs going for shady, you know, um, for, um, for sponsors, for what shady companies, like, what the fast. And they will just take the money. That's pretty much what they're doing. They're taking the money. So no, I'm not expecting to get any money out of this until a very long time. Like even if you want to go with a network, now, I've had a lot of these offers from networks like uh, BBTV and the Game Network and all these other networks that promise you all of these things as long as you get in a contract with them. And when you actually sign up with them, they don't really offer you any of the benefits they promised you. At least that's what I've noticed from what I've read on the Internet and what other YouTubers have told me. So until you get, like I would say, maybe 70, 80, 100,000 uh, subscribers, don't, don't bother going for a network. Don't bother thinking about the money because it's not worth it.
1: I mean, you obviously have been talking about it a little bit, but do you have, like, you know, three or four tips that you would give to any new up-and-coming league content creators?
0: The original. No, I'm fucking kidding. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) 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 No, 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 don't. The original. Uh, try to. I would say first step I would give is well, yeah. Don't expect money in the in, in like the first few months. That's not going to happen. Like unless you, even after a few months, even if you get insanely popular, that's just not going to happen. Like uh, you, you need to have this insane following to even get any kind of money, and even then, that's not very sustainable. So you still need to have some sort of uh, income. Other than your YouTube channel. Don't make a YouTube channel your primary occupation. I don't I don't believe that YouTube is a career. Like I've, I've had someone tell me, oh, you shouldn't you should stop criticizing YouTubers or uh, attacking YouTubers because you won't have a YouTube career. I'm, I'm sorry, man, but there there is no right now that the, the idea of a YouTube career is kind of a pipe dream to me uh, and should be for a bunch of other people. Um second thing would be uh don't partner yourself with any of these networks. These networks will essentially take your channel and um take away your ownership from the channel. So if you want to get out of that contract, you're stuck making content for them. You can't you can stop making content of course, but you don't have access to your channel anymore. Like you don't have content access to I say your um I don't want to say intellectual rights. I'm not sure that's exactly a word I should use, but like your rights on your own content like you you'll be forced to keep making content for these idiots so don't don't go with any networks until you're big enough like i've had so many offers and i've declined them all because they were just no um first thing would be uh now i'm thinking now i don't have anything in my think pan anymore so i need to think about something original to say no i wouldn't say to be original that would say to try to offer something even if it already exists any way that's that it's not offered already like um you'll see Black and Ola, you know, making content with his voice. And, you know, obviously the, the appeal to his content with his voice, there is no denying that, or his personality. So you kind of want to do that in a way. And apart from that, I don't think I have any other tips.
1: You're saying with the do something that no one else is doing, I think that's pretty much what you're doing, right? You're making this really sarcastic, well, now, biting... Well, no, people are already
0: doing commentary. And if I look at sarcastic commentary, it's very obvious that I take some of my cues from from youtubers like the best gamers who are very sarcastic and they they literally attack people that's what they do (laughs) they take (laughs) a piss out of game developers um but like uh yeah like you i'm doing something that people are already doing like uh sort of commentary is something people are already doing but i'm putting in my own you know my own i would say personality and my own pull to it which i think makes it interesting
1: You're listening to League of Legends Radio. Okay, so as we all know, tanks are pretty strong this season. (laughs) I don't think there's um, much debate on that one, but one of them that I've actually been having a lot of success on, and I think he's really fun, is Volibear. And honestly, if I had to guess, I'd say Volibear is definitely one of the best At least for solo queue, one of the best champions in the game right now because, really, he just offers everything that you would want in a solo queue tank. He's got good initiation with, you know, his Q and righteous glory and randuin's run at people really fast and you know flip a carry or flip someone squishy and self-explanatory what happens to them after that. So he's got good engage, which is always really strong in solo queue. He's got I'd say of tanks, he's got some of the best damage in the game. It's mostly single target. I mean, his ult and, I mean, his E doesn't really do much damage, but his ult is more AoE, hits multiple people. But, you know, in general, since his bite is where the majority of his damage comes from, it's, he is mostly single target damage. But, you know, in this meta where eighty carries are just getting 1v1 by tanks all over the place, it's actually definitely not bad. For him to be mostly single target, maybe not quite ideal, but he's still really strong in the damage department. He's got safe, pretty safe laning phase. I mean, it's not great, but, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I 2v1 of the jungler and the enemy top laner, or, you know, if you're jungling, then it doesn't happen as much, but you can still destroy people. <laughs> and uh, the other thing that is not as important, maybe to everyone, but it is important for me, is that he's a ton of fun to play. I just... It's hard to not have fun while you're playing Volibear. He's just so tanky and you just run at people and you flip them, you know. No feeling like it in the world. Am I right? Um yeah, but I mean, personally for me, Volibear is probably my highest win rate champion of all time in ranked because I mean, I don't I don't main him by any means or even play him a ton, but every once in a while I feel like playing him and I went 8 and 0 with him last season. Oh no, I, I went 7-1 and with him last season, and this season I'm 8-0 and with him, so I have a lifetime track record of, like, um, 15-1 with him. That math was hard. <laughs> but yeah, he's a lot of fun, and he's really strong right now, so I would actually definitely recommend him to anyone who's looking to add a tank to their champion list. So, I guess I've kind of gone over what makes him strong, but here's some, uh, tips for playing him if you're going jungle which is where most people take him I think he's also very strong in the top lane which is where I actually played him recently but he's definitely a very good jungler you obviously want to take smite and I mean you can take ghost it's um it's a matter of preference I really do think that flash is the far superior choice just because you know flash flipping a carry is just there's nothing they can do about it whereas With Ghost, it's still really strong, but it's a little bit easier to kite you. Or if they've got stuff like um, Lissandra, you know, to W and ult you and keep you off the carries, then once you've Ghosted, you don't really do much compared to if you just flash flip a carry. It's very no-brainer, easy engage. Um, And the other thing about Ghost is that, well, I guess the biggest strength of Ghost, honestly, is going through units, which because Volibear has a very different engage than most tanks. Like um, if you look at uh, let's say Leona is a good example. I mean, yeah, you can go in with your oh god, I can never remember if it's Q or E. Her uh, thingy that throws out the thingy and then you attach to the thingy. Yeah, that um, I mean you can't. That is kind of a melee engage, but typically you're going to be seeing her ult to engage, especially late game and Malphite, who just ults from far away and engages. But with Volibear, he's one of the few champions that just kind of runs at people to engage. It's um, the only comparable tank that comes to mind for me really is um, probably Maokai, but they're not super similar champions, but they've got sort of the similar just run up at people rather than, you know, try and hit them with a long range thing like Sejuani ult, Nautilus ult, etc. So the moving through units from Ghost is very useful. I will give it that, but I mean, why move through units when you can flash over them, you know? I'm just, I'm just saying. But yeah, I would say that Flash is superior to Ghost in most situations. Because really when you've got Righteous Glory and that speed boost from Volibear, Q, you're just already going so fast that another speed boost is almost overkill. And you, I mean, yeah. I honestly don't find Ghost to be necessary, but some people prefer it. I'm just not one of them, so... Anyways, flash, smite for summoners. And um, as far as your smite upgrade, it really depends. I know a lot of, like, Trick 2G, I know, loves the purple smite. He doesn't always take it, but he's just the biggest advocate of the purple smite on everyone that I can think of. Really, all the smite upgrades except poachers. Nobody uses poachers, let's be real. You're, You're lying to yourselves, right? Anyways, nobody uses poachers, so we're not counting it. But the other three smites are really good on him in different situations. If you're going to be doing a lot of dueling, like, um, you know, they've just got the kind of champion comp that you're going to be doing a lot of 1v1-ing, then Skirmishers is probably the best. If you your main objective is just get the carry, like they've got Ash and Lux as their carries and you need to get to them, then I would definitely say the um, Stalker Smite, the blue one, is the best one. And, you know, if your team's got good engage and you just kind of want to get strong for a late game and afk farm then go for the purple smite by all means i'd like to go off on a bit of a tangent here but i really do like what riot did with the smites this season like poachers is a fail but i see people buying the other ones like almost a th- even split i'd say i'm mean, probably skirmishers is the most popular but really seeing a good amount of diversity in the smites and so I would say that that's one of the best things that Riot has done this season. So uh, props to you guys. But anyways, back to Volibear. Obviously, you're gonna to want to be taking the um, Juggernaut, in- or not Juggernaut, Jesus. Um, the uh, Cinder Hulk enchantment. That hasn't even been a thing for like three patches, whatever. Um, you're gonna to want to be taking the Cinder Hulk enchant and the. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, another thing to keep in mind for anyone who hasn't played Volibear before, is that his bite, his W, scales with um your bonus HP, and, you know, Cinderhulk, pretty good for getting you bonus HP. Yeah, Volibear is one of the few tanks that I would recommend building more tank on, rather than, um, I mean, not building more tank, um building more health on compared to armor and magic resist. Like, obviously you want armor and magic resist, but... He's one of the few tanks, like I'd say Zach probably falls into that category of you just want a ton of health because it helps out a lot and because of his bite scales with his bonus health. And it's typical for me to have about 5 to 5.5k health by late game, depending on what build I take. I've actually gotten 6k before and that's pretty funny. Boots. I mean, it really, the boots are also dependent on what you want. Like if they've got a bunch of you know, AD auto attackers, like if they've got Fiora top and Talon mid or something, or even if you just want it, I mean, it's never really bad, but if, yeah, you would take Tabi in that situation, Um, if they've got a bunch of snares or stuns, because those really do mess up Volibear, I'd say that his biggest weakness is being kited by hard CC, because it really does stop his engage, because like I mentioned, he has a different engage than most tanks, and so you'd want Mercs in that situation for the tenacity. I mean, it does give a nice little amount of magic resist, but I don't think it makes it better than Tabai or... The other option is swiftness, I would say. I mean, you can take Moby's, but I just really don't like it because you get auto-attacked one time by a caster minion and you lose 100 movement speed, and, you know, that's not good. So I would say swiftness. If um, you're the main engage and they don't have a ton of hard CC or if they've got a lot of slows, then swiftness is good. And then um, you just want to build a lot of health and some armor and MR. Like, uh, I like to go, if I'm jungling especially, third item I'll go um, Righteous Glory because it's so strong right now and helps your mid-game team fight immensely. Another thing uh, you can take after that is like Randuin's or Spirit Visage. I will typically go both because they're both really good on him. Another thing you can actually do is go War Mugs if, you know, you're a monster at this point and you just want more health. But yeah, typically I'd finish it out with something like Warmogs, Randuins, and Spirit Visage. Like, Spirit Visage is just insanely good on him. Like, on most champions, and this is more of a personal preference than anything, but on most champions, I prefer Banshee's Veil. But on Volibear, you definitely want Spirit Visage because his passive is already so insane that getting a 20% increase on it is just really nice. The other, It's also good to have some cooldown reduction on him. It's not 100%... Necessary to have cooldown reduction on Volibear, but I definitely do like having it because you know you get more bites off, you get more slows off, and it team fights. And Volibear really thrives in extended team fights, so the cooldown reduction is nice. I don't think it's absolutely necessary, but I do like having it, and you know you get a nice little ten percent from um, Spirit Visage. So yeah, that's nice. But yeah, I mean, other things you can substitute, like if they don't have any magic damage, then you could substitute that for a Thornmail is really good on him. I know it doesn't give any health, but it's still really strong on him. Frozen Heart, again, cool net reduction, really nice. Typically don't find myself going Frozen Heart, but it's definitely not bad on any tank. Yeah, as far as um, gameplay, playstyle, yada yada, it's really not that difficult. Um, he's also very beginner-friendly. That's another reason that I would say he's strong right now is that you don't have to be very good at League of Legends to become a monster of you, um Very basic. In lane, your Q is very good for setting up ganks top lane if you've got your jungler coming because most champions without a dash have no way of getting out of it. Like, it can be more difficult to catch something like Riven or... Um, Maybe Lissandra. Those are a bit more irritating to deal with. But the thing is, they can't really trade with you all that well. Well, they can trade with you, but they can't all-win you. You know what I mean? You know what I mean. He has a bit harder time setting up ganks on those, but, eh, whatever. And uh, his W is really strong at all stages of the game. It's much better late game, but it's still good in lane. Like, you can still get, you know, 200 damage off of it for an execute at around level 5 or 6. And... Yeah, his E is not great in lane. That's mostly used for jungle clearing. But it doesn't hurt to have a little slow to use on them. And it can be nice if you're trying to like farm between towers or something. I don't know why you'd be doing that. But if you were farming between towers as Volibear, you could definitely use your E to get the minions off you. Pro tips. Um, yeah, his ult makes him really strong in trades and dueling and... It also can be used for wave clear. I typically don't use it for that, but because the the cooldown is pretty hefty. It's like 100 seconds or so early, like early game, something like that. And so I don't typically use it for that, but if I know that I'm not going to be doing anything with it, I really have no problem with using it to clear like 10 to 15 minions. Like don't use it on one wave. But if there's a bunch of minions, go, feel free. Unless you know you're going to be using it, then don't, feel free feel bound. As far as jungle Volibear, you just want to clear camps. Um, Again, I already talked, I already went over smites. Just depends on what you want to be doing. Yeah, you just want to clear jungle, and it's very easy to gank overextended people, and if you've got flash, you can pretty much always either kill the enemy mid laner. Volibear's ganks are especially good against those immobile mages, like Syndra and Cassiopeia, because he can... Just flash onto them and then immediately burn their flash. Like, if you flash flip them, they have to flash or die. Those are really their options, unless you somehow, like, get double snared by Lux or something. Yeah, the most difficult thing probably team fighting is um, target selection, because sometimes it's difficult. Like, you don't want to flip the uh, tank into the middle of your team, but sometimes it's really hard to reach the enemy carries. Again, that has to do with his um, sort of awkward engage as a tank. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really pretty simple. You want to get off as much damage as you can. You can also bait people incredibly well, and this is for all stages of the game. You can just bait people with your passive because they will always, <laughs> always underestimate it. At least once a game, I get to bait people into blowing all their stuff on me, and I just walk out of there because they didn't expect me to heal for 500 health with my passive late game and. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. Definitely keep that in mind and don't underestimate your passive because it's really hard to win a trade as a melee champion against Volibear early. Like I'd say, some champions that can do it are like Darius is really good. But yeah, most champions really... Because the thing about Darius, this is just a quick sidebar. Um, His ultimate does so much damage like, true damage that it can burst you before your passive really has a chance to go off. And so, yeah, it's a problem. But, anyways. So, yeah, I mean, that's really do not not much more that you need to know about Volibear. Your Q is an auto-reset. Nice little tip. Oh, and um, another thing. Smite, Teleport, can work on him top lane. So, you know, if you want to try it out, go for it. Um, It's definitely not bad. Because you know, it's not as good as, like... It is on Shivana. He's not quite as safe as she is, but his Q is like, it's pretty decent for escaping. And his passive makes him relatively safe in lane. You can also take a camp level one. It's not amazing on him, though. I wouldn't personally recommend it, but you can. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys maybe pick up Volibear or just try him out a couple games, because he is definitely very strong right now. So, I would definitely recommend him to anyone who. You know, wants to get into jungle, already is good at jungling, and they just need a bigger champion pool. Or, you know, top laners. I mean, he's just really good right now. So, definitely try him out. Line vouching for Volibear. Peace. Drops Mike. But not really, because it's expensive. And that just about concludes another episode of League of Legends Radio. As always, tell your dog, tell your grandma, tell everyone you know about League of Legends Radio. Because, you know, I gotta eat. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, uh, again, follow me on Twitter at LO Legends Radio. Uh, if you'd be interested in being on the show, you know, as a guest, if you have some uh, involvement with the community, you can email me or tweet me, but you can email me at ponderoussealine at gmail.com. Who would have guessed it? But, um, Gmail Master Race. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had fun making this episode. Volibear is a bear who you should play. And as always, and as always, we'll catch you on the...
0: No! This has been League of Legends Radio. Check one,
1: two. Game day meeting.